You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wrestling with Statistics, where we look at the world of professional wrestling through the unique perspective of stats and analytics. I am your host, Ryan Knightsey, and with me, as always, is the man behind Pro Wrestling Musings, Craig Leesk. Craig, how are you doing, friend? Uh, doing great, yeah. I'm really glad that I've got no um, aches and pains today, anything like shoulder-based, that's really good. This this feels like a direct call-out to me, and I <laughs> don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> Uh, I, what I do know is I feel pain about it directly in my shoulder. Yeah, I woke up this morning and I don't know what happened, but like my it's like right at the shoulder basically where it's like it, it's in pain and I'm slightly concerned because like usually you know sometimes people you know sleep on it. I don't know how I would have slept on my shoulder weird, but what I'm concerned about is that like I have like like not shooting or anything, but like there's this like the 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 you know. Uh, I'm trying to. Th- I'm not a doctor, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> but I have like a little like those little quirk lightning things on like my tricep and then like right by my thumb. So I don't know what's happening with my arm. I think I'm dying. Um, I think I'm gonna come on here next week and my arm's gonna be cut off. Um, you know, we're, we're we're hoping for the best of this week at this point. You know, two episodes in, one of your hosts is already falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> All my body parts seem to be fine, so I don't really have um, much to add to that. <laughs> There's really no transition out of, oh, uh, dude, how are your body parts <laughs> going, Craig? <laughs> yes, we're going to go dive into the shoulder stats of each <laughs> AEW wrestler. I think we need to leave it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, well, thank you, everybody, for you know coming back for our second episode of Wrestling with Statistics. We had a huge success with the first episode. Staying past the shoulder chat. That's... Yeah, yeah, staying past yeah. the shoulder chat is, is trial number two. <laughs> um but thank you everybody for coming back uh or, or even if you're a new listener uh we greatly appreciate it um you know last week was episode one you know we're coming back yet again with <laughs> shoulder pain and all man i really i really just stopped with the shoulder pain bit um but yeah you know thank you everybody for coming back um you know we're very excited to be back for a second week and we got a decent amount of stuff to talk about i think craig yeah yeah absolutely um we're gonna talk about whether punching your opponent a lot leads to winning a wrestling match yes and the the results may surprise you and that's what you call a tease in the biz uh I don't, know <laughs> you know, I don't know if you know that too much but we got a little rundown here real quickly we'll just we'll go over just a little i guess you know when you open up a book uh the table of contents page i'm just gonna do a quick table of contents for you folks we got, of course, we're going to talk about uh, some of the stats from AEW match, that one being John Moxley versus Frankie Kazarian. And then we're going to lead mm-hmm. into some sort of a, a look-see at the upcoming AEW world title match, Moxley versus Brody Lee, since that was announced. Uh, we do have a second scatter plot for you. And, of course, if you always want to see those uh, scatter plots, they should be in the description of the podcast you're listening to. Or if you go and listen or view our YouTube channel, of hit the books you can see the video portion of the show which all shows all these graphs and everything which were really helpful that actually it actually works really well i was impressed how you set that up like the it yeah it fits together really nicely 
Thank you. Thank you, Craig. I mean, uh, what? of course, we did it together. We're, we, we nailed it perfectly. Um, but we got another Scatterplot Fortia, which uh, Craig sort of alluded to. We're going to touch down on the AEW League tables as we get closer and closer to Double or Nothing. And then we got a little discussion, uh, if time permitting, we have a little discussion uh, talking about NXT, uh, specifically the title matches that happened last week on NXT. So let's start off, Craig. Let's start off. Let's look at these Moxley Kaz stats. Um, John Moxley versus Frankie Zarian happened last week on AEW Dynamite, uh, which was, of course, their return to live programming, but also the return of SCU to, and I guess also Moxley to uh, AEW in a very long time. Uh, so after watching this match, uh, what were some things that you pulled out of this uh, bout, Craig? Um, so it was another um, it was another John Moxley match where as the AEW champion, um, so this was the 10th match he's won in a row in 2020. Um, so he's on a 10-match winning streak, which is, you know, that's, that's very impressive. That's a strongly booked wrestler, strongly booked character. Um, but what's really fascinating about the way that AEW are booking John Moxley is he's so he's the champion he's won 10 matches in a row he's hard as nails you know babyface champion takes on all comers but statistically he there's no real stat that you can pull out to kind of explain how he's been booked strongly he's he's not um get hitting numbers for strikes grapples diving maneuvers um, submissions, even the amount of finishes he's pulling out that would suggest that he should be winning all these matches. They're not painting a picture of him as a tremendous wrestler um, via the numbers, except for one statistic, which um, is perhaps unsurprising, in that he's the man in AEW that takes more damage than anybody else. He's He's going through matches, taking a huge amount of offense from pretty much all of his opponents, except for perhaps somebody like Fabu Andre, who will come back to in a second, <laughs> best name in wrestling. Um, Fabu Andre, just to repeat that, Fabu Andre. Um, anyway, so yeah, um, John Moxley versus Frankie Kazarian. John Moxley picking up 47% of the offense in the match, taking 53% of it from Kazarian. And again, this mimics John Moxley in AEW. He's... Um, going into matches and taking a lot from from his opponents. Yeah, conversely, not just in the offense, but also that strike down rate. John Moxley looking at ten percent of a strike down rate versus Kaz's eighteen mm-hmm. percent. Um, yeah, no, John Moxley. He he has always been. He's not like a presented like a dominant, you know, brooding figure. He is a guy that. He is, you know, maybe not the best, numbers-wise, the best, like, technical wrestler or anything. But really, what AEW is presenting him as through these numbers and through these stats is that he is a fighter. Um, he yes. is, he is, you know, maybe again, maybe he's not the most technical wrestler, but he is a guy that will go out there. You know, he'll take whatever punishment he's given, but he's going to, uh, you know, be resilient. Um, which, of course, you know, there's... That uh, offensive taking is really what that's, that stats were telling us is how resilient these people are. In terms of like his average across um, all all of his AEW matches, um, John Moxley's sort of percentage of offense is forty five percent, so he's averaging forty five percent 
um, in a match um, and then kind of to paint a picture of like, and when you look at other sports, there's kind of, you have to manage how many football games your, you know, players are playing. And if, um, you know, if you're going into a football match and one team has played 30 games that season, the other game has 20, then, you know, one, one of the teams are going to be fresher. So John Moxley has um, taken more offensive moves than anybody else in AEW um, one-on-one matches, 359 offensive moves, um, a full 101 more than the um, next competitor, which is Cody Rhodes, with he's taken 558 um, moves in AEW one-on-one matches in 2020. Yeah, I mean, Moxley, he is, it's weird. It's weird thinking of someone that's like, you know, his character is someone that's mm-hmm. very badass, right? Um, and then looking well, it's at it, it's 10, like... 10 wins in a row. That's dominant. To be clear, that is 10 wins in a row out of 10 matches of 2020. So he he is undefeated. So it's like he's this badass, he's undefeated, but it's like, oh, but he gets his butt kicked a lot <laughs> in this promotion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just looking at this Moxley Kazarian match, you know, he did come out with more strikes uh, in this ma- in this bouting, bouting outing. That's a combination of bout and outing. <laughs> uh, I think is what I did. But he, you know, he he Kazarian had more strike downs, had more dives, way more submissions, uh, submission seconds specifically, uh, mm-hmm. more reversals. Um, but of course, it was Moxley's uh, finisher that ended up getting the victory. Uh, yeah, Kaz, you know, looking at the, even the, you know, the flow of offense here, it's, you know, Kaz is very consistent. You know, Mox, Moxley gets a, a big old number there right in the middle of the graph there. But uh, Kaz mm-hmm. is very consistent, constantly going in, constantly going after uh, Moxley. Um, you know, it's, uh, it is interesting as well, because, you know, Kaz is a normally a tag team wrestler in All Elite Wrestling. In fact, you know, the, the first ever tag team champion in All Elite Wrestling. Yet he is giving the AEW World Heavyweight Champion a run for his money. Granted, also a lot of other people apparently give Moxley a run yeah. for his money. But, uh, you know, that it, it's... It's it's what's nice about that, you know, stepping outside of the whole thing and stepping into like the storyline stuff is like allowing this sort of thing of like Moxley getting the win but always getting his ass kicked in these matches. Um it allows us to be like, Oh, Frankie Kazarian's a little pretty much good of a singles wrestler. You know, he's taking advantage of all this stuff. And then go all the way going back to like Jeff Cobb, Santana, Ortiz, it's like, oh, there's you know, they're getting their licks in. We're seeing a we're seeing a lot about these singles guys. But Moxley, of course, is the guy that eventually gets the win. Yeah, and that seems to be his MO. He's just like a punching bag that you can't, or, you know, you just, you just can't get past him. And then eventually he comes out on top when you're knack- knackered, tired, and have expended all your energy um, hitting him repeatedly. And then when you're absolutely exhausted, he just takes you out, essentially. That's yeah. That's probably you know probably the story right there is that yeah he is he takes the punishment and then just finishes you with the with not I was going to say the dirty deeds paradigm shift. <laughs> um, yeah, and, yeah, and conversely, uh, compared to Lance Archer, who we talked about last week, who is a guy that also takes a lot of punishment, but it's that sort of punishment is punishment he asks for. Um, yeah, it's we're, a bit different. 
Yeah. It's a, it's a bit different, like, story dynamic on uh, mm-hmm. on top of that is, you know, Archer's asking to for this punishment. You know, he's asking to get punched or whatever. Um, but then he just, you know, hits the person and knocks him down. Mm-hmm. Moxley, he's not hitting people and knocking them down. He's just really just taking it. He is, like you yeah. said, a punching bag that once you're tired, he'll just end you right then and there. Um, yeah. He's like... um what is it? Uh, he's like Homer Simpson in that one Simpsons episode back in the day where Homer was a boxer, where it was the episode, the whole episode was just Homer, for whatever reason, could just take a bunch of punches to the head oh. and then just do one punch and then he wins the bout. Is, I'm, I was racking my head to find the comparison somewhere because I'm sure I'd seen that story before of the, the guy that just exhausts his opponents via taking everything they can give and then capitalizing at the end is at the simpsons is that where i've remembered that from <laughs> i feel like that's at least where i remember it from I, uh-huh. I surely there's been like plenty of other yeah yeah you know cartoons and stuff that oh, I, think looney tunes, I think looney tunes did it as well i wouldn't be surprised honestly yeah. <laughs> it, I don't, it's, we, it's weird that all of the comparisons are coming from cartoon shows <laughs> um uh, i don't so know what the... john moxley has gone from hardest man in the room to cartoon character yeah i feel like maybe that's what we're insinuating slightly um (laughs) i'll I'll say as a distance like moxley please don't attack me Uh, (laughs) yeah uh yeah no moxley he's someone he's a punching bag that when you are tired he he strikes uh yeah with that with that paradigm shift which is very interesting and then you know it also goes into his you know unsanctioned matches we know whether they uh are fined or not um, you know, that goes into that aspect where he takes a lot of punishment and then he ends up, you know, getting the victory. He's someone that can take barbed wire to the back and still pull out a victory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I believe in that match, Kenny Omega was completely on top. And um, I think at the end of that, I said that Kenny Omega had gotten drunk on violence and that was the reason that he lost, but. Um, now seeing John Moxley in AEW for longer, mm-hmm. um, it's perhaps well, it's the same pattern. Um, in fact, in that match, um, John Moxley only had forty two percent of the offense compared to Kenny Omega's fifty eight. Wow! So it's the, it's the it's the same thing. Um, Kenny Omega threw everything at him until he threw that um, Phoenix splash on the wood that ultimately led to the. the to his defeat so yeah it fits it fits the story it fits um how john moxley's being booked his opponents get more and more desperate until they overextend and then he just clips them takes them out yeah well let's look at uh another person another wrestler individual that also is a very dominant force in aew and that is of course Brody lee you know the exalted one leader of the dark order they yeah. he's officially challenged, which has been accepted by Moxley to fight for the AEW World Heavyweight Title at Double or Nothing. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, I'm excited for it because you know, looking at these stats and numbers and everything, uh, it's very interesting. There's a lot of interesting aspects to it. Um, what are some things that come out to you, Craig, about this upcoming match between Moxley and uh, Brody Lee? Um, so the obvious caveat to make is that Brody Lee's the the numbers that we have for Brody Lee is from the the four matches that he's competed in in AEW, and um, but those four matches have been against QT Marshall, Lee Johnson, Justin Law, and Marco Stunt 
Mm -hmm. um, so they're not the most challenging matches um, in, a, in comparison to Moxley. His last four matches have been Kazarian, Hager, Fabu, Andre, yeah, um, and and Chris Jericho. So the the you know the um, Moxley's had three. Um, sorry, Fabu. Three, you know, established wrestlers to go against. How dare you? How dare you say <laughs> that about hometown Whereas... hero Fabu Andre? I think I, I assume Lee. he's from Atlanta. <laughs> uh, Brody Lee, I don't know. Like you're looking, you know, who's Marco Stunt, Cutie Marshall, or his biggest opponent so far. So it's you know it's different, different standard. Um, Moxley, we've got. Um, like two hours of wrestling for his statistics, whereas um, Brody Lee, it's under 10 minutes. So it's, you know, um, the numbers don't really carry a huge amount of weight yet. Um, but in those 10 minutes, Brody Lee has, um, his pace of offense is superior to Moxley's in terms of strikes, grapples, dives, um, you know, finishers, the amount of pins that he goes for. He he is outscoring Moxley in terms of that. Um, he doesn't use submissions, um, whereas Moxley does. That might that might fit the, the story of the match. Moxley trying to um you know go for a go for a leg, that kind of thing that you know that, that would make sense. Um but yeah it, you know I think the the you know looking at Brody Lee, big dominant guy is going to be throwing around a lot of offense. But he's going in there against the human punch bag. He's going in against um, AEW's Homer Simpson. <laughs> and, you know, it's. I want that on a shirt. That's what I want. <laughs> AEW's Homer Simpson. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you know, Moxley, is, he's resilient and he'll just wait. And, you know, Brody Lee might get angry and start hitting things with chairs or shouting at his minions out of frustration and then Moxley could just nip in there with the finisher. So although you could suggest Brody Lee is the favourite, um, John Moxley has a track record at doing this. He's taken everything that Kenny Omega had, he's taken everything that Pac had, he's taken everything that Chris Jericho had um, and absorbed it and won repeatedly ten times in a row. Um, you know, I think it's 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 going to be Moxley, isn't it? I mean, not not just even just Chris Jericho. You can say he took everything that the entire inner circle had, mm. including yes. including outside freelancer Jeff Cobb. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and a lot of this with one eye. Yes, and, and very much correct. Very much correct on that front. Yeah, John Moxley. Uh, of course, like you said, Brody Lee has way smaller matches. His, like you said, his average match length is two minutes and twenty-two seconds. Even, yeah. even if you, you know, Moxley's was seventeen minutes. Even if you take out his world title matches, his last four were nine minutes and forty-two seconds. Still, incredibly much longer that's, than Brody that's Lee's. More, that's more than Brody Lee's total. Yes, that's more than his total time. So yeah, it, yeah. Obviously, there's the caveat that like uh, Brody Lee's, you know, um, per hour uh, numbers here are a little bit. I don't want to. What's the word? I guess stunted inflated. a little bit, inflated um, yeah. than Moxley's. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to go into Moxley. Of course, he's the punching bag. But then there's also I remember I would have to look it up real quick just to cite my source. But I remember a recent interview 
where Moxley teased the idea of potentially trying to do more like MMA submission stuff in his matches. All right. Yeah. Which is interesting, wow. especially against I... someone like Brody Lee. If if Moxley's whole uh plan of attack is really to take as much offense while wearing down the opponent and you know while the you know opponent's mm-hmm. eating or attacking and stuff, he can wear down the opponent in that sense. Throwing in more MMA-style submissions and whatnot is just going to wear down your opponent even faster. So it's a, it's a smart move. Like he was more like that in Japan. Yes. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Uh, his, his whole thing in Japan was he was like this. He, he was still this kind of like crazy guy. Mm-hmm. But he, they, they, he spoke about he spoke a lot in the back about having a plan. And the commentary really put him over as having lots of different plans. So there would be matches like the one with Ishii where it was quite weapon-based. But there was another... Was it against Tanahashi? Was but, Tanahashi even in the same group as him? I might be wrong. But he no, would, he I don't would, think so. No. Um, but yeah, he, he tapped somebody out in Japan with some kind of knee bar type move during the G1. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, is, he's... You know, different. Especially, especially with the fact that... Uh, the the well here we go up rocks is what that article was uh you know he because he went through a bunch of john moxley went through a bunch of mma training for his upcoming movie um that's which will come in at some point i believe it's called the cage fighter anyways uh this article just this link whatever website linked me to up rocks it just linked me to the normal page of up rocks not like the actual article terrible link um Yes, but he he mentioned the idea of, you know, he did a lot of MMA training for the movie, so he's interested in including some into his arsenal. But, you you know, it makes complete sense with the character Moxley we have presented in front of us. Uh, Brody Lee, he is, you know, unlike Archer, where Archer was asking for punishment, Brody Lee is someone that is not asking for punishment. He's just going in and destroying people. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, total offense, 247, you know, per hour. Offense taken forty four versus John Moxley two hundred and two. Um, Slight differences there. Oh boy, strike down rate forty one percent compared to Moxley's thirteen. Um, in fact, then um, Brody Lee has taken seven moves in AEW, and those will all just be like you know strikes. Wow, but he's returned tenfold, eighty five percent average. Uh, 85% average um, offense in the match. And of course, the caveat, of course, that these are short matches yeah, against yeah, against your Justin Laws and stuff. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, he's he even in those short time matches, uh, he's someone that is dominating, um, which is which is maybe po- potentially scary. Uh, the idea, I guess, would be previewing going into this match. Can Brody Lee's domination, sheer domination, out? Run uh, found, um, Moxley's perseverance. And um, John Moxley tapped out Shingo Takagi. That's who it was. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's a victory. That's a huge victory. I guess yeah. at the time, this was the G one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess at the time, Shingo was still considered a junior. I believe. Um. Yeah. He he was kind of a junior, but also not. But he, but of course, like they always joked about, he was a junior where the scales seemed to be bro- broken. Yeah, <laughs> it's huge. He's like, this guy's pretty big for a junior. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, that's still still a huge victory over Shingo Takagi. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the question here uh, is, can Brody Lee's sheer domination outdo Moxley's perseverance? You know, it's it's a tough one to call. If Moxley can, you know, wear down Brody Lee even more, who knows? I mean, again, you know, you never know. Brody Lee is the leader of the Dark Order. There are, I can count how many people, but definitely what, like mm-hmm. eight <laughs> Eight people that were just destroying well, the Moxley. Guy, the new guy is called Ten. Ten, yes. I assume I I was trying to think of like who is what number. Like in my head, I was like, yeah. I guess Evil Uno and Stu Grayson are one and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was a, I remember on I think it was a dark where there was like a seven and eight. Uh, yes, yes. But I don't remember who was nine. So it's sort of like who's I this person? like had nine in a match or anything yet yeah so i was like who are these people i i, I kind of like the idea that it's there's no nines because it was just like oh there's these more people that we just don't know about um well, like the the pig thing in um um what was that on veronica mars i think they've had, they were doing a prank where they had three pigs and they labeled them one two and four so that they'd be looking for the third that's a gr- a great distraction attempt. Everybody's always worried about number nine popping up, but there is no number nine. There is no number nine. Oh man, that'd be so great. That, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Brody Lee was just like, "Yeah, there's no number nine. Why not? <laughs> why why would there yeah. be?" Um, <laughs> he just doesn't like number nine. <laughs> I just, I mean, with the I guess character of Brody Lee so far, yeah, just like really strong opinions about random stuff. <laughs> Just, I, I wonder if he's basing off anyone. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> you yeah, know, uh, Brody Lee Moxley, there's always the aspect of, you know, will people in the Dark Order be involved in the match in any capacity? Mm-hmm. You always got to think about that. Um, you and know, Moxley's character as well. You know, he had to withstand the whole inner circle. There's five of them. Mm-hmm. He's to um, withstand 10 of them. Yeah, I mean, uh, even going into looking at his character is like uh, he gets beaten down at the end of last week's AEW Dynamite, you know, just, yeah. you know, mauled by a bunch of people. And then when he answers Brody Lee's challenge, he's just like sort of laughing and like, you should have just asked, <laughs> you know, you could have just asked. Uh, and he, it shows that like he just took a beating, but he's just like laughing and like, yeah, whatever, you know, I'm just, it's, it's, I'm still going. Uh, which yeah, dr- is what directly uh, shows in these stats, which is very interesting, which is what I love doing about the show already, is that already it's like the character moments and the, and the strikes and stats and everything already match up with a lot of people, um, which is a very good job by these wrestlers, I guess. Uh, let's move yeah. to the next topic of conversation, which was the uh, scatter plot that you have presented another this week again, a new scatter plot. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk us through this. We're looking at it right now. Talk us through this, Craig. Um, so their idea kind of is that... Um, so I took their win-loss record and I did a scatter plot, kind of their win-loss record versus overall offense, um, kind of based off the idea that John Moxley is winning, but he's getting... He's having a real hard time in his matches to get those wins. Um, is that a rule? Um, do they book too many kind of resilient underdog wins or is or is John Moxley an anomaly and yes John Moxley is an anomaly um the correlation is if you get more stuff in in your matches you're more likely to win which you know 
shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought we well we could go into um, kind of more of the stats and see like what are the keys to winning in AEW. Um, so what we've got this week is um, wrestlers' strike rate per hour. So if you take their numbers and multiply it up to be an hour's worth of wrestling or take their numbers and average it out over an hour, does, does you know, a, a better strike rate get more strikes in a match? Does that lead to the victory or not? And, you know, one would suspect that striking your opponent more often than he strikes you would lead to you winning more matches. Um, however, the correlation, so it is negative. The more matches you win, um, the, the less strikes you have on average, according to the, it's a very slight negative mm-hmm. um, correlation. But um, yeah, it's, that, it's interesting. Especially compared to last week's graph, average offense percentage versus win-loss record that we showed last week, that correlation was ins- strong enough. insanely strong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, compared to here, it's a slightly negative. So it's like, yeah. uh, it, to me, it would appear that... Strikes don't really matter? Yeah, I, I guess, I mean, again, slight correlation, but yeah, it's sort of implying that slight or strikes don't matter insanely much to to winning a match which is very very interesting idea you know you would think punching your opponent would be a helpful endeavor but i guess Mm -hmm. maybe not yeah i was trying to think about how you could put that how you could rationalize that Mm -hmm. i suppose you could say that wrestlers that are striking too much that are taking the the easy road and just hitting their opponent rather than working um into more complex maneuvers are wasting their time they're not using their minutes effectively and then their opponents are able to take advantage if any all i really think of to put that into perspective yeah uh it goes to something to say that like it it goes to say that doing flashy wrestling moves may be better you know Mm. than just normal punches and kicks and whatnot I wonder. I wonder if there's any correlation in terms of strike downs, um, you know, because mm-hmm. of course you can punch your opponent, but uh, a yeah. harder strike that will knock them down. Maybe, maybe there's a correlation there. There's something. There's why, something very why different. Don't, why don't we explore that next week? Ooh, more teases. This is what I love. <laughs> next week, next week on wrestling statistics. Uh yeah yeah the two difference in these charts is very interesting the fact that there was a, a strong correlation last week to a very slight negative correlation mm-hmm. is it, very interesting I mean, obviously you have some standouts here that you know I'm slightly surprised that Chris Jericho's leading the pack but of course he only had one match uh, yeah. in 2020 so far Orange Cassidy all the way in the back there which is <laughs> correct is all I'm gonna Cassidy say isn't putting the work in who'd have thunk it. Hey, but he's at zero of uh, win loss records, so he's mm-hmm. perfectly fine. He's doing all right. He's doing pretty good. Um, yeah, there there's some people here, obviously, you know, in the scatter plot that are very interesting. Of course, Moxley, sort of, you know, in the middle of the mm-hmm. pack when it comes yeah. to s- striking, you know, of up the upper of the upper half, uh, and obviously winning a bunch of matches. Uh, there's people down here like Joey Janela, Trent, Chucky e. T. 
QT Marshall that are again sort of in the middle of the pack, but desperately mm. losing. It, yeah, it really goes to show that like maybe strikes are not the most important thing to winning a match, um, which is very interesting. Yeah. What, what's also interesting about this chart is that anybody who has used less than 100 strikes per hour mm-hmm. has um, breaks even or has a positive win-loss record. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you're looking at Pack, Sean Spears, mm-hmm. MJF, Darby Allen, Orange, Ca- Orange Cassidy, all of whom which, you know, respectively won three, 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 zero yeah. uh, in their win-loss I mean, records. The, the caveat to mention here is I've excluded any wrestler who has less than 20 minutes um, one-on-one ring time. So there will be guys that presumably, um, one would guess, that have just, you know, gone into matches and been squashed but out of the guys that have um, wrestled for a substantial amount of time none of them have under 100 per hour another disgrace to the great fabu andre <laughs> i mean how i mean this what are you doing here craig i mean where, where's the fabu andre love sorry can just just pause for a second and um, what does fabu andre look like you know uh, as you're such a big fan you know i was looking it up <laughs> i was looking it up and i went to like the i typed in fabu andre looked at the twitter and it came up as a a female wrestler and i was like i'm pretty sure john foxley did not wrestle this lady um who does a beautiful springboard moonsault by the way um right she is maybe your pal fabu andre should take notes yes they are a fabulous butterfly is what their this gimmick is Wait, hold on, hold on. I should I should take that back actually. I don't know. Is it was this the same wrestler? <laughs> now I'm very okay, now I'm very confused. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna spend the next ten hours <laughs> diving deep into into this. Maybe it was the same wrestler. Maybe I was confused. Oh, it was on dark. That's why I don't quite remember. Because I actually haven't been spending too much time on Fabu Andre. It is the okay. same wrestler. I was I incorrect. That's not what people I was incorrect. Fabu Andre is not a late female. She is a, um, uh, they are, they are, I, oh, gender, I'm getting screwed. I'm getting screwed by genders. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, I read it all wrong. I'll say they, they, uh, have a beautiful springboard moonsault where they faced and lost to John Moxley. Okay. Um, I'll say, I'll do my best to uh, reverse out of this one. <laughs> oh God. How do Craig take me out of this? Please save me. <laughs> Oh, I I don't even know how at this stage. <laughs> oh no, I'm too far gone. <laughs> oh, so, no. Yeah, um, when you look at the kind of the kind of top five strikers, we've got Jericho, Daniels, Sabian, Archer, and Dustin Rhodes. And I suppose to um, highlight the point even more, out of those five, only Archer and Sabian have positive win loss records. So it's not you know it's not really proving to be the best tactic. Again, though, calling back to last week. Something about Kip Sabian. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, he features a lot. He he gets a lot in in his matches. He he you know comes out quite highly for a lot of these things. Yeah, like Kip Sabian, according to this, on the same playing field as Lance Archer, mm-hmm. uh, which is I mean obviously Kip Sabian's matches are way longer than Lance's, but yeah, wow, wild, <laughs> wild that Kip Sabian is is still the just the consistent um what's the word you used it anomaly 
mm-hmm. in all of these graphs is Kip Sabian. It's just always, it feels like he's sticking out like such a sore thumb. Yeah, so I mean, like, Kip Sabian, out of the guys that have wrestled um, for over an hour, he's easily the, um, I don't know, most proficient striker, but like, he's the, he's got the, the quickest strike rate. He's striking the most in his matches. Um, let's move on. Let's start talking about the next lineup. Uh, let's talk about these AEW league tables. As we get closer and closer to double or nothing, obviously we're going to see more and more matches announced, more and more titles defended, potentially defended, I should say. And there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, you know, let's look at the sort of league standings that you've presented again at prowrestlingmusings.com, Craig. Uh, you know, looking at the male singles division, um, you know, you were correct last week. You know, we were sort of uh, postulating who might be the next contender for the title. I said MJF, and you correctly uh, suggested Brody Lee. So, uh, win, you know, you can t- easily take that victory lap. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't. It was just kind of looking at the table who would like. Who, who could you justify it with the numbers? And, you know, they have been squashes, but probably Lee um, up in fifth in the male singles division. Um, ahead of him is Kenny Omega, Lance Archer, Cody Rhodes, and John Moxley. So two of those are fighting each other for the TNT title, whereas Kenny Omega is a tag champ. So um, next in line would be Brody Lee. And even then, you're looking at next week's matchup of Brody Lee versus uh, Christopher Daniels. You, uh-huh. If yeah. you suppose that Brody Lee gets a victory, then he's now going to be tied for third. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. So, yeah, um, a lot of people were um, quite kind of annoyed that Brody Lee had been given it. And then you've got you know, that, that kind of well-trodden path of this is just two WWE guys because, um, you know, WWE owns every single wrestler that they ever employ. Um, even Yoshi Tatsu? I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, it's it's fine. Um, it makes sense. Although if like maybe it's too maybe it's too soon for Kenny Omega John Moxley rematch, but if Adam Page isn't going to be around, there's you know, Kenny Omega's been putting on great matches, more um kind of substantial opponents as well. Yeah, very interested to see. But uh, yeah, Brody Lee, of course, against uh, John Moxley is what's happening at Double or Nothing. Yes. Um, next up, of course, looking at the females, females, female singles division. Uh, very interesting lo- enough. You know, of course, we have a next week we have or upcoming Wednesday. There is a fatal four way, not fatal four way, four way dance, whatever they're calling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, match Hikaru Shida, Chris Statlander. Um, uh, Penelope Ford and Britt Baker. Um, right. Okay. <laughs> I can I can hear it. I can hear it in your voice. Hikaru Shida has wrestled eight times in 2020. She has won seven of those matches. The one that she lost, I believe, was a fatal four-way number one contenders match. The one that they no, it wasn't the number one contenders match. It was a fatal four-way women's championship match. Um, when they double booked Chris Statlander and she couldn't take part, mm-hmm. why? What is the purpose of these rankings? Why on earth would you make Hikaru Shida take part in a fatal four-way match for the number one contendership when she 
has a win-loss record of plus six in 2020. Penelope Ford, who's also in it, plus one. Britt Baker, evens, zero. Chris Statlander, minus one. Why, why is Hikaru Shida having to take part in this match? Surely she's already earned that spot. And I know we don't get to have a match to prove that, but, you know, I, I don't know. It's just we're gonna, wins and losses are going to matter. We're not going to insult your intelligence I don't know how how intelligent do you think your audience are that this makes sense? Yeah, I mean that's all true. That is all true, Craig. It it is astounding that Hikaru Shida is eighty eight percent positive in her win percentage. Mm. She is she is above Nyla Rose, right? She is Nyla Rose is eighty three percent. She's dominating the division, and yet she is still having to fight in these sort of fatal four ways, sort of prove yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fatal four way in, in itself is not really a number one contenders match. It's sort of, I guess, implied that the winner will probably challenge Nyla Rose. But even then, yeah. it's not like fully. You don't call it a number one contenders match. Yeah. At that point, at that point, why not call it? Um, no, but have they, I thought they had called it a number one contenders match. I'll do the double check real quick, but uh, I don't, I don't think they but, did. But like, so the rankings are just being used backwards then because so what what is going to happen here is if this is a number one contenders match Hikaru Shida is going to win because I mean they could they could they could have her it would make more sense for her to lose now so that you know there's some kind of pushback that why am I not getting the title match why is the company making me do this would be difficult because she's a baby face, but I think you can still be a baby face and have that gripe. Um, but if, if she wins this, and this is a number one contenders match, fatal four way, essentially the the rankings just become spoilers. Uh, t- to say it, looking at AEW's Twitter account next week on Dynamite, it's a four way match with Karashida, Penelope Ford, Chris Statlander, Doctor Real, Britt Baker, DMD. That's it. No number one contenders tag to it. Just Here, the fatal four way. Just, just the fatal four way. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, no, even even then, even if it's like you know Do the winner of with the winner of this match will potentially get it. Sort of that implied thing that sometimes yeah. they do. Even then, it's like again that come, kind of comes back to the rankings shouldn't be spoilers, mm-hmm. and. Again, like Hikaru Shida could let let's say Britt Baker pins pins M. Penelope Ford. Correct. Then that you know, um, when you're making your title match for double or nothing, it should still be Hikaru Shida because if Britt Baker wins, she's now on what plus one, and Hikaru Shida's still on plus six. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the the rankings mustn't become spoilers because that is just all kinds of missing missing the the point of like sports centered wrestling promotion is there any argument to you know going with that sort of idea of Britt Baker pinning Sheeta if Sheeta gets pinned there's there's more there's more of an argument that somebody else can get that spot mm-hmm yeah, I mean, Hikaru Shida should definitely get the title match. They were sort of teasing the idea. Remember when they did that video package 
they were sort of teasing the idea that Hikara Shida is like this dominant force in the women's division who has not yet challenged. And mm-hmm. so there to me I was it, like they've mentioned it now, yeah. The, knowing knowing the stats and knowing the the actual numbers behind here me thinking like I wonder if that could maybe be a story point of like what is happening why is Sheeta getting all these wins but never being able to challenge who in the booking committee whoever yeah. whatever gods they are <laughs> have not allowed Sheeta in into that that sort of that pool which then it become then there's the issue of like well then your booking committee's bad <laughs> because Rikarashita is obviously the number one contender. It's a bit WWE isn't it kind of um, nefarious authoritarian figures? Yeah, she has been. <laughs> yes, it's like who is who is it? Jack Whitehall, Billy Gunn, um, whoever's who, whoever's in your booking committee. It's I don't know what they're doing, but they're just sleeping on Sheeta over here. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I don't know. It's it's odd. I mean, my guess is that she wins on Wednesday and gets the title shot. Correct. That's I'm I'm in the same boat. I mean, which, which is which is fine. Um, I thought it was a number one contenders match, which is more muddled. But if it's not and it's just another um, platform to spotlight Sheeta, that's that's less problematic. Um, but mm. yeah, the it's still slight slightly having the rankings as spoilers rather than kind of a real. Um, sports-based thing. And real quickly, looking at the male tag division, of course uh, there is Hangman Adam Page who has been sitting out uh, mm. due to the quarantine, of course, smartly so. Mm. Uh, we don't know, obviously, if he will be returning for Double or Nothing. It was acknowledged on air that he's been sitting out for the past couple weeks due to the quarantine. Um, but So we don't know exactly if he is going to come back at any point to defend the titles. But looking at the rankings here, uh, do we think at all that, um, you know, if the titles are defended, who do we think is going to be, you know, challenging for those titles? Um, well, they've got Dark Order, um, five wins, similar to their leader. They were kind of all squashes on Dark or insignificance um, tag teams on Dark, but nonetheless, they're up there in second. Um, you were you were saying um, that they're that they're not that they're not based in America. Yes, Dark Order, uh, to my knowledge, are Canadian-based, hmm. which, okay. due to the current uh, pandemic, might be an issue <laughs> of travel. Yeah, um, so, I mean, best friends have benefited greatly from the, the kind of empty empty arena shows and are positioned kind of as the next strongest tag team, so it, it looks like if they can get Paige back, back in the building... That it, it'll be Chucky e. T and Trent, but I don't know. Um, m- my guess would be that that's perhaps wishful thinking. I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen with Kenny Omega at Double or Nothing, but I'm not convinced he'll be tagging with Adam Page. Would you be Would you be okay with uh, Omega defending the titles alongside Matt Hardy? Um, I don't think so because. That that story is just so strong, and people are so into it. For, I mean, that story being Hangman Adam Page's story. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it just it. I don't know. It almost feels like a betrayal. Probably being a little melodramatic there, but like, I don't know. It just yeah. They could they they were entertaining last week. They could you know they could do another one of those matches. 
well, now that, now that you've said the word betrayal, I'm thinking about it. Actually, I think Omega defending the titles with Matt Hardy would actually coincide with the story of Adam Page feeling neglected by the yeah. elite. Yeah, do you know what? You're absolutely right. Like, th- th- he would come back, like, and let, Ooh, let's say... Or um, Matt Jackson. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Because it's been the Matt, the Matt Jackson and Adam Page thing. Mm-hmm. I like, know, Nick, you were saying that Nick will be at home because of his newborn, mm-hmm. and that's perhaps why Matt isn't there either, because they live kind of... Weirdly um, together. Yes, um, kind of together. But if, you know, if they can socially distance, if, you know, bring Matt Jackson back and have him um, tag with... Kenny Omega and have him kind of talk about oh you've got a, you've got a real tag team partner now Kenny a, mm-hmm. you know tag team specialists etc etc and kind of because the best thing about that um, Adam Page um, it, um, elite kind of the friction there was the interactions between him and Matt were incredible yeah there's also the there's also the idea that like what happens if they lose. <laughs> Yes, and yes, then, that's interesting and as well. Whether it be Matt Hardy, whether it be Matt Jackson or whatever, what happens you know, the if they video just of Page having to mail the title? To... <laughs> oh, 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 that's heartbreaking. <laughs> that's such a heartbreaking tale. Oh man, I would feel so bad if it's just he has to mail back yeah. the title. <laughs> Puts a stamp that's like to Dark Order <laughs> or something, or two yeah, best no, friends to Philadelphia. There's, 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 um, there's oh my god, there's a story actually if they choose to capitalize on that. Oh my god, yeah, and yeah, either way, no matter who it is, if whether they lose or win, just defending the titles, uh, with Adam Page not being there, mm-hmm. it works. It, it like weirdly works on that same sense. I do also like the idea of it. Mind. Say it again, you've changed my mind. I agree, it could work. I am now thinking the idea of like it actually could also work if it is Matt Hardy because the idea is that like I guess the elite just uh, just allowed a guy in sort of Matt Hardy yeah, into yeah. the elite. We all know it. He's a broken person. He's just he's multiple multiple personalities. Oh, but now like, I thought of the Matt Jackson thing. That's what I want. I just think that like Matt Jackson could be really smarmy and kind of there could be a lot of I agree like, rewarding comments there. I agree. I, I think if they can't get Matt Jackson, Matt Hardy will work. But if you can get yeah. Matt Jackson, use him. Oh, if you can get if you can't get Matt Jackson and it's Matt Hardy and they kind of lean into the the DDT style stuff that they did last week, you know. Oh, can you imagine best friends versus <laughs> Hardy and um? You were saying about seeing Hardy and versus Chucky e. T earlier. Imagine the best friends versus Kenny and Matt Hardy in a kind of silly kind of. DDT, yeah, that man, yeah, because I was just saying, I was like, there's something about Matt Hardy and Chucky T, which is just there's some, it's like the delusional person is really what it is. (laughs) Yeah, that's really just what I want to see. And then obviously Omega Trent have had several matches that have just been outstanding. So I I think that's a very good match. That maybe that's the match they're leading towards a double or nothing. Who knows? We doubt. I mean, Dark Order might be uh, travel uh, hardened. Uh, and then natural nightmares. You could argue that oh, Dustin Rhodes is injured, you know, um, for the Lance Archer match. So best friends, you know, according to these league standings, might be the next challengers uh, against some team. If there is one, there also could just be a number one contenders match. You know, um, if they, you know, best friends. Tag teams, is... tag teams are thin on the ground at the moment. 
Yeah, best friends. Uh, I think it was Tony Khan said that best friends legitimately were the only established tag team that they had during those Atlanta tapings. Mm-hmm. Um, so they obviously greatly benefited. They they potentially could get a title shot out of it, which is awesome for them. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's a shame for the people that you know were excluded by circumstances or mm-hmm. admirable choices. Yeah, but if you know, a little a nice little thank you, I guess is what it's yeah, going to yeah, ultimately be. Yeah. Um, you want to navigate? All right. Well, then um, that's it for this week's episode. We are going to can this uh, sort of discussion about the NXT title matches. Maybe we'll discuss it next week, um, seeing as you know time permittings. Who knows? Maybe it's be too old of a discussion. Maybe something it will explode in the wrestling wrestling world. I guess actually no. Uh, we a good week. We might be able to preview. AEW double or nothing next week. Maybe that's what we're going to do. I'm not sure. Who knows? The world's going to change in a week, so it's hard to tell. Um, But yeah, so thank everybody for listening to this week's episode of Wrestling with Statistics. Uh, We thank you so much. If you like what you heard, uh, you, of course, can subscribe to this podcast feed that you're listening to uh, or, of course, the YouTube channel to get uh, more episodes when those are released every Monday. Forgot what day it is today. Every Monday. Um... Uh, uh, anything else for to say to the kind folks, Greg? Um, the the I really liked the YouTube version of this um, last week. So if you have just listened to the audio, um, the the YouTube work, version works really well because you're listening to what we're saying, the stats we're talking about, and then they're they're on the screen in front of you, which um, works really nicely. Yes, you can. There will be a link to the YouTube version, presumably, if I if I remember to do it in the podcast description. But of course, you can always go to hit the books podcast on youtube there's links somewhere the links are out there you already just you know find it and look it up hit the books podcast on youtube uh there'll also be a link on our twitter page at hit the books pod uh is where you can find my uh wrestling twitter page and you can always find craig at pw musings on twitter as well um anything else craig before we go ProWrestlingMusings.com as well if you want to see all of this kind of thing in one place it's more of an explorer Yes. Yeah, you have a great series happening right now for greatest matches of all time. Uh, yes, you... check check that out. Um, John Cena versus CM Punk statistics and some kind of analysis graphs for that. And um, that's a match that I quite often, quite a lot of like podcasts are talking about when, when they go back into wrestling. It's often that match that's spoken about. So yeah, have a look at that. Yes, have a look at that. Uh, and that'll be it for this week's episode of Wrestling with Statistics. We'll be back next week with our special guest, Fabu Andre. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, if we can get Fabu Andre, I'm bringing him on. You know for a fact I would be. Uh, thank everybody for listening to this week's episode of Wrestling with Statistics. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.